Thanks for joining us for the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of Scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. Today, you'll hear two new voices. We've got myself and Rick, but then also our producer, James, who's usually behind the camera. He's stepping out and joining us today. And our director of care and counseling, Bianca Otterbein. So I guess to to get us started with boundaries in culture today, what kind of boundaries do y'all see? I don't know. I think that... Like much of culture, it it all it seems to almost exist in the world of extremes, right? Like it's this show yourself often from anybody who's different from you, uh, and only surround yourself with like minded people. And I think that results in some really hurtful boundaries that you don't get perspectives and wisdom that you could get from having people who vary in opinion and that kind of stuff. But I also think you see the split side of that in culture and the complete kind of reverse side of it where people are there is no boundary. And so nothing is private. And I think a lot of that might be caused by, I think social media has given rise to that world where there is, there is nothing that's like, that shouldn't be shared. Like we should share all things. I've, you know, I made this joke a lot when I was in student ministry and it really does kind of bother me. I'm going to sound like the old grandpa here. Like the fact that there's still a trend going on that people take selfies in bathrooms, right? Like that's the, for me, the flip side of the coin when it comes to boundaries, like what, for me, photographs were designed to be moments you want to remember. Like, do do you want to remember that? And if you do, I feel like you you shouldn't want everybody else to remember that. Like, something might have happened that you don't want to share with everyone. So I don't, I don't, you know, so that bothers me. But I think it's, I think culture does what it's good at and pushes to one extreme or the other and never allows the middle to exist. You said you feel like an old man. I just recently learned about the app Be Real. Do y'all mm. know about this app? Yes, my daughter has it, actually. It's the only social media I will allow her to have. Oh, that's interesting. So what do you know about it? Uh, so that you're only allowed to post when when Be Real decides to open up the window, whatever window that is. And you can only see other people's walls, I guess, if you post. So if you don't post for that day, obviously, it's, it's the developers. The it's the incentive to keep posting because you can't just be on there scrolling like you can Facebook. You can scroll without ever, you know, injecting mm-hmm. content or whatever. So, yes. So everybody, no matter what time it is, and it's different each day, um, all the kids will, oh, it's be real time. And here they are doing selfies. <laughs> um, and so that's what it is. It is a selfie from the front of the camera and then the back of the camera on the phone. So that that kind of scares me. I mean, because in that moment, you know exactly what that person's doing and where they're at. So is that a boundary being crossed through social media? Well, I guess, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing when you talk about boundaries. Like it could be like if somehow you were being forced to post that, but it's like you have to post that in order to see it. So, I mean, I I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing for me about this topic. Like depending on the vantage point you want to argue it from or take a stance from, you could argue it almost any way you want to, which I think makes it really useful for talking about a cultural issue that exists in the gray is there is a lot of gray here. Um, and I would just, I would love to see the people that get to like 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. window of that. Like that's your, you got to post right now. And it's like one eye, like one eye closed into bed, like groggy. Like that's, all right, you're real. Bonus points for you. I think it's important to have the conversations surrounding it. Yeah. You know. Um, talk about it with the kids that that have that app, that the parents are talking about it. And mm-hmm. what are you posting? Why are you posting? What's the conversation like on the walls and, and mm-hmm. the interaction between the kids? Right. Just the fact that you even know 
that she has the app and she's using it. Like, you know, not all parents can say that. And I think it's really cool that that like that system, at least how you just described it, because I this I am the old man that just learned about that this was a thing, like how you just described that. Like at least it's an attempt and I think opens the door for conversations with your kids, especially if you're like they're the one on the phone and you're allowing them to do this to have conversations about boundaries, but to also have conversations about transparency and recognizing like social media by and large, even in be real is people are opening a door to see the them they want you to see. And it might not be now, if it's the 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. window mm-hmm. of be real, and that's when you get, you're probably getting the most real version that you're going to get then, but it's still, Hey, understand this, this image that they put out, and it goes back to our conversation almost about body image. This this picture that they put out is the best that they could do in this moment of time because nobody's going to take the six the six a.m. day. You're going to skip right because mm-hmm. you're you haven't had coffee. You're groggy and you don't even know what you look like. Much less want the entire world to know what you look like. And so I think that's a that's a cool conversation opener for me. Sorry mm-hmm. to ramble, but I just learned about this. So I need to explore more about this app. I keep coming across the meme talks about. When we were all on instant messenger, and I may be right at the millennial age where young people like Rick may not know exactly what I'm talking about, but when like AOL instant messenger was a thing, mm-hmm. and you would say, be right back. Yeah. Yep. Everybody knows what that means, but the meme is at some point we stopped using it because now we're never away. Uh-huh. <gasps> and that boundary has moved. Well, I think about, too, like, I text my friend, and my friend doesn't text back, and I'm like, I know she has an Apple Watch. Like, even if her phone isn't on her, I know she saw it. <laughs> Is she ignoring me? <laughs> now, I don't often spiral like that. But every now and then, like, if, you know, if you're in a touchy situation, like, you might be, have just gotten in a fight, or you're getting over one, or something like that, it's like, I know they saw my text. Why are they taking so long? Or you're watching the text, and you see the dot, 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 and then it disappears. You're talking about always accessible. Everybody knows where you are, what you're doing, and that you have full capability to respond whenever you want to. Yeah, I've started letting people know up front and in a humorous way that I, I am one of those people that I'm either holding my phone waiting for your text and it's immediate, like concern. It feels almost too fast, or it's going to be like five to seven business days. <laughs> <laughs> no in between. I like it. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of... I didn't, haven't thought about it, but that's how I'm kind of restoring that boundary because I like to not have my phone around, mm-hmm. and I think everybody does. I think the the pendulum is kind of swinging back towards that. Mm-hmm. People recognizing, okay, we've overdone it. Now we got to backtrack, and I think COVID did help that too. But I was reading an article today with uh, I don't know it was some it was a doctor at Aiken or Augusta University Dermatology, but she's in Aiken. And it said, how do you balance your work and your life? And she said, well, I've got a great village. My mother takes care of my children when I'm at work. And then when I'm at home, my phone goes away and I am present and focused until bedtime. So those are her very clear boundaries. And I don't want to go down the technology rabbit hole because that could be a whole other episode too. But just when when thinking about what to discuss on this episode, I, I saw a lot about boundaries and codependence. But I'm not sure that I understand codependence 100%. So, Bianca, can you kind of explain that, what that looks like? So, um, a lot of times codependency is um, wanting to 
wanting to help somebody. So if you think about somebody in, if I had a family member in addiction, and so I want them to, uh, I want to help them with their addiction, but I end up helping in ways that are enabling them instead of helping. So when they run out of money and they can't pay their rent in order for them, for me to help them not be on the street, I give them money so that they can pay their rent so that they're not out on the street. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm making it worse because I'm enabling them to continue to do that behavior. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to setting boundaries, if you've got this relationship, say that person's always come to you and you've always been the one to help, and maybe it's not an addiction story, maybe it's it could just be finances or it could just be a toxic relationship. How do you walk back those boundaries once you've kind of let it go for so long? So you have to decide what your boundaries are, what you're willing to um, live with, what what you're willing to to do, and then be prepared for the pushback. Because if somebody has been allowed to do these certain things, whatever it is, if it's a friendship, if it's a one-sided friendship, for instance, um, then when you put those boundaries into place, that person's going to be like, whoa, wait, what's, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really mean it. And so they'll act a certain way. And so then it'll be your job to put those boundaries up again. And it can be exhausting Mm -hmm. to have to continue to put those boundaries in place and then uh, be creative in thinking about what does this boundary look like? Well, this didn't work. So how can I think of another boundary that that is going to be effective? So exhausting and creativity, um, just thinking about those boundaries and putting putting them in place. But it's 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 a journey. Mm hmm. You mentioned knowing where to put the boundary, knowing where to start. So one of my questions was, what what do we anchor to? And for the believer, the non-believer, where can we find something to anchor ourselves to so that we know where to place our boundary? Don't tell me these were going to be hard questions. <laughs> Boundaries isn't an easy topic. I, I think for me, and this, is, this has been a struggle knowing that we were going to talk about this topic because it's one that I feel – you know, I'm glad I'm grateful that we have you on here because she is the expert, and I'm the on the other end of it because it's just something that I haven't studied, and it's stuff that I've had to deal with in my in my life, just in personal life, um, in some fortunate and some unfortunate ways, just in my my upbringing and the circumstances that have been dealt in my life. I always I always try to drive back to the idea of motivation, like why are you doing the things that you're doing, whether that be setting boundaries or keeping boundaries or doing those kind of things, and I think that's such an important. Specifically, when we're talking about relationships, is what motivates you to do the things that you're doing. And I think lining those motivations up with biblical aspects or with biblical virtues that we see play out, like, you know, there's a fine line between selfishness and selflessness, but there can be very, very harmful selflessness, right? That's harmful to you and harmful to the person that you're being selfless to. And I think so, you, so, the motivation matters, right? And I think there's also moments and that I've seen in my own life that I, I desire to be selfless because it's somehow I love the idea of codependency and I haven't thought about it until we were until we were just I was just listening to you talk a second ago. Like the idea that I get the co in codependency is I get dependent on helping you, right? And I think that there's there's this drug that exists in being the the good Christian helper, right? For us as believers and being the person who is always there to stick out a hand. And the dangerous thing of this and and what makes this such a difficult thing is I think that there's a gospel calling aspect to that to show 
radical hospitality, radical generosity, radical, all of those types of things that we see portrayed through Jesus's life, while at the same time recognizing that Jesus's radical hospitality and generosity never caused any of the people that he was being radically generous or hospitable to to fall, right? To stumble into sin or to do those kind of things. And Jesus was absolutely those things, but you also see Jesus was was unbelievably adhering to boundaries, his own personal in his life, that there would be moments where the disciples were, hey, I need your help, I need your help, I need your help, and he's gone, right? Like he's like, I've got to, I've got to get away, I've got to take some rest, I've got to, I've got to get myself better before I can get you better. And there's places where you see him where he's having conversations with people. You know, I always think about that conversation like with the rich young ruler, where he's like, hey, go and do these things. And then he sets that ultimate boundary of sell everything that you have and then give to me like that that side of Jesus, while also being the same Jesus who sees Zacchaeus in a tree and says, hey, I'm coming to your house. But in both of those, unfortunately, in the rich young ruler, we see him leave kind of dejected. But you know, our hope even in, in those moments is that ultimately rock bottom for people is the beginning of an ascent, right? Not the, it's, it's rock bottom. You can't descend, right? And so that spot, even for the rich young ruler being, if, if, if I wish that we could see that a gospel redemptive work. Unfortunately, the scripture doesn't go any further. We never see that guy again. But, you know, hoping and praying that for us in our lives, not having the scope and sequence that Jesus has of being able to see everything, but knowing like, man, if I can do those things, but do them in such a way that they protect the people that I'm in a relationship with from themselves and protect me from making myself into a bigger deal than I need to be in these situations, I think is an important thing for me. I was just going to bring up the um, the story of Mary and Martha mm. in the Bible. So Jesus tells us what to do in that situation, because if we are always doing for others, which, yes, being hospitable is important, but not to the length of burning ourselves out. Mm. And so was Martha burning herself out and then being resentful of Mary when Mary was focused on the most important thing and not being busy, not not doing extra stuff, but but really to the heart of Jesus. That's Unfortunately, the camp that I tend to fall into. I'm, Amen. <laughs> I'm the Martha. I'm the doer. And if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And then I feel guilty. And then I'm not pleasing everyone. So what do you say to the person who is the people pleaser and who feels guilty about setting the boundary or saying no? So I might actually jump in there because I'm kind of in the middle of... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome James to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to plug in some music here. <laughs> yeah, the, um, that's something that I've been working through myself uh, really over the last many months, um, not just since I started here in August of 22 or so at Cedar Creek, but it's come to light that I have to have some boundaries in my work life. And it's not just what goes on here at Cedar Creek. It's things that I was doing, uh, things that uh, I came here from USC Aiken. Uh, prior to that, I was at SRS for a minute, and then I was at um, the Aiken Standard, and all of those are production-heavy environments, um, and that's what I'm doing here. Uh, it's been hard for me to understand I have to walk away from those things to walk to this role, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes reaching back to, well, sure, I'd love to do an event. Sure, I'd love to do your video. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's a struggle in here inside of what we're doing at Cedar Creek, because I love doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's what I was made to do. So getting to do that's a lot of fun. 
but doing too much of it is still too much. Uh, so I've I've had to start saying, um, you know, with start with conversations at home of, mm, I would love to do that, but not going to be able to do that and do this. And nine times out of ten, I find out I'm already booked for it anyway. Because, like <laughs> I said, this is an ongoing issue. <laughs> uh, but it, even with just a little bit of progress, it's so much better to have those boundaries and say, "Okay, I know what I need to do first. Let's do those things." Let's say no. Let's say wait to some of these other things. And in time, there's a place for it or there's not. And personally, I've had to learn most of the time, it's not a problem if I tell somebody no. Do you feel like you're being selfish if you tell somebody no? Yes, um, to, a, to a large degree. Mainly because, I'm trying to think whether or not my mom knows this podcast exists. <laughs> <laughs> She will. This now. is about to get juicy. Uh, it, it's not about her. It's just um, she. She'll be the first to tell you. Oh, there's there's nobody in the county. My wife will echo that too. She'll. They'll say there's nobody in the county that can do what he does, in terms of you know some of the places that I've been and the institutional knowledge I've gained along the way and that sort of thing. And some of that, maybe I won't disagree with that because uh, it feels good to say, yeah, I'm I'm the guy that does that. But at the same time. To the, the selfish point of it, I learned it. Someone else can learn it, too. And at some mm-hmm. point, I'm robbing, back to the codependency, mm-hmm. someone else uh, that is probably the 18-year-old I was that would love to be doing something like that and knocked on the right door at the right time. I've, I'm taking that opportunity from them to hold on to that myself when it's not what I need to be doing anyway. That's interesting. I've never thought about it like that. The boundaries aspect being like, it's easy. Like if we went back to the addiction kind of thing to go like, Hey, yeah, I am, I'm robbing from myself this, but from them also this. And I think it fits easily in that, but just something cool, just that I wanted to highlight that you just said, like there can be moments where stepping outside of the boundaries that are healthy for our own lives. We rob people that we don't even know, right? Like we, we rob opportunities from people that might be ordained opportunities that might be, you know, potential life-changing, life-shifting opportunities for whatever reason. Selfish, selfishness described or disguised as selflessness or, or whatever it may be or wanting to be the only person in the county, which I know what you do. And that's probably truer than most people would care to admit. But uh you know, that's that's just an interesting concept to me. Like we're robbing from people we don't even know. So how does a, a lack of boundaries affect us physically, our body, our spirit? How do y'all think that weighs on us when we don't set boundaries that need to be set? I think for me, and this is this is just one of those, it's May. I think this podcast will come out in June, but it's it's the last week of May as we're sitting down to do this. And you know, May is the new December is kind of the saying that goes around everywhere because it's full of recitals and end of school programs and all that kind of stuff. And I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And so I think this week specifically, every single night of the week, including the weekends, is already spoken for with something going on. And I just find like when that gets there and those healthy boundaries aren't set, like I find that I miss the opportune moments that if I were to be honest and you were to set me down and go, what's important? It's not all of the things that I said yes to on the calendar. It's the 
bedtime with my daughter. It's bath time with my son. It's letting him sit in my lap and watch TV until he falls asleep for a nap. And it's those kind of things. And so I think physically what begins to happen to me is, and I guess this is mentally, but that's Bianca's area of expertise, not mine, is like I feel myself get shorter. I feel myself get we're going to we're going to just breeze through this story that we're going to read at bedtime and and I'm not going to lay with you because I still have to do a thousand things after I do this and I have to go to bed because I have all of these things that I have to do tomorrow and this day's done and I still got it I think I get shorter and I get when I get shorter I get less present like I I skip so many moments and I and I don't I don't see it and I and I have to imagine again I'm 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 not a doctor or I have any but I, I have to imagine that that's that's taking a physical toll on me, right? That it's the obviously there's fatigue, but I think ultimately what I've learned in my life is in those seasons where you run yourself ragged, eventually life's going to lay you down, right? Like if if you will not take a ba- break, eventually the flu will break you, right? Like eventually something's going to show up, you know. And I think that was I don't know that you can say this. We might get canceled in podcast land, but one of the real po- pros of COVID was it showed everyone the value of being able to pause, right? Of being able to like, I think the one of the benefits of COVID, if again, if you can say that is it allowed everyone to have margins that were so much further from what the normal margins would be that we've been conditioned in American life is you should run at this pace all of the time until you fall asleep. And then ultimately until you die is it's no, there's so many things that exist outside of this rat race that we run that are caught up in it, that are the important things that you miss because we say yes, because we say yes, because we're yes men or yes women. And it's just, there's this never ending, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And every time I listened to a pastor one time, I think a pastor out in Texas said that you have to begin to recognize that everything you say yes to is saying no to something else. Um, and just, you know, I, I, I trying to condition myself and I'm with you Sam I fall in the busy camp like I don't sit I don't I, it just makes me I don't know I got it makes me twitchy um is man there's 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 so many great things but you've got to pick a few and you've got to be intentional are you're going to turn great things into good things or you're even worse you're going to turn great things into bad things because you're going to skim over the surface of it and it's you know now we're on graduation season and it's like you watch all of these people and parents that are sharing graduation presents you're like everybody's everybody's stance is the same right like how did we get here this fast right and i'm like god you know the prayer becomes god don't let me miss this and i think whether you're a believer or not the ultimate one of the ultimate you know things that unifies us is that we all got time right whether you believe in jesus you don't believe in jesus you adhere to god's word you don't adhere to god's word you think it's rubbish whatever side of that camp you're on all of us would recognize you've got a finite amount of time right at least in this life even if you believe or you know follow religion that's some kind of reincarnation at least this this life you've got one shot at and i think setting those boundaries and being being attentive to them protects you from from so many things so we talked about on Sunday that there's a book called Boundaries. Um, James, is there a bird's eye view um, of the book you can kind of share with us what, why it might be good for us to read? Sure. Um, there's a lot of what we've talked about so far, and I'll throw this disclaimer in there. I've read about the first third of the book, so I I've, I've, have it on my Kindle. That's how I got through high school, dude. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> you pretty much got it. 
I'd say probably the biggest thing that I remember even just out of that first third is the the picture of what a boundary does. Um, easiest kind of illustration is a yard. You have a place where you want certain things to happen in your yard and you don't want some stuff that's past there to be getting into your yard. You don't want certain things that are in your yard, maybe your children, your pets, your grill, whatever, to be leaving that yard. So you have a fence, you have your boundary, but you also have a gate and you have that there for the purpose of letting more things in that you want, but also letting out the things that either you don't need there or have placed somewhere else. And you have to have a way in and out to do that, but it has to be kind of regulated. And having those boundaries in our life, um, starting from an early age of understanding that your no has traction um, and that you're in a place that you can trust, um, set you up for good perspective on that through the rest of your life of knowing if I put a line here, it's okay because I'm in a place where I can trust people to handle me saying no. Um, and you know, there's spirals out from there. Um, there's a number of, of rules that in the book that help you in kind of applying that picture to your life in different situations. So we've talked about work boundaries, um, family boundaries, the family calendar. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about parenting. And like with your analogy, I heard a great one the other day too. There's a school with a playground and the school's kind of in the middle of nowhere. The playground has a fence around it and the kids are playing on the playground and then they're climbing on the fence and they're going all the way to the fence. So the PTO is like, why don't we take down the fence? They don't really need the fence. There's a big open field. So the school takes down the fence and then all the kids huddle around the playground. They won't venture out because now that the boundary is gone, they don't know how far they can go safely. So that was a really great reminder to me that the boundaries are meaningful and it's a good thing for our children to know the boundaries, to know where the rules lie, what lines they cannot cross. So, Bianca, do you want to add anything to that when it comes to putting boundaries in place with our children, whether they're 5 or 15? Yeah, um, I think it's important to talk about the boundaries and have conversations and not just say, you will not do this. Because, obviously, um, if if there's no dialogue and understanding of what that boundary is, why it's there, then they're going to leave your house and be on their own and free-for-all. You know, so I think I think it's important to have that discussion um, and let them make choices, knowing that there there is consequences to your choices. Um, boundaries are not boundaries unless there's a consequence um, or enforcement tied to it. So um, so parenting is all about setting the right boundaries, healthy boundaries um, for your kids. Can we talk about how hard it is to enforce the consequences sometimes? <laughs> I mean, right now we're in the season of life where the boundaries and the, the rules aren't that difficult. You know, it's just keeping everybody alive and fed and in bed on time. But sometimes enforcing the consequences is really exhausting. So, I mean, like you said in the beginning about the, the family member who's constantly coming back asking for help. So how do we, you mentioned a circle of. Circle of control. Yes. So. Um, I, I've done this work with kids in session as well as adults. And so um, just basically I, I have a whiteboard and I draw a big circle and it's like, okay, you can't change 
anybody else. Like, I can't make you do anything. The parents can't make their children do anything. They can enforce things, um, but the kids have choices. They can just choose not to do whatever you've said to do. So back to the circle. The circle is basically whatever's inside the circle is what you can control. Whatever is outside the circle is what other people control. And so a lot of times people are, are will say, well, I just don't really have a choice in the matter. You do have a choice. You may not like your choices, uh, but you do have choices. And once we set out to look at exactly what the circle uh you know, go through what could be in the circle, they realize, oh, I really do have more control than I thought I did, even within the boundaries and within my certain circumstances. Um, I do want to go back to, uh, there was an example I read in a book um, recently about uh, a mom who, I think the teenage son did something wrong and, and the consequence was giving up the car keys. Well, evidently, in that situation, the son would not give up the car keys, and I guess she couldn't obtain the car keys. So she got creative, and when son went to bed, she removed the the tag um, off the license plate off the car and mailed it to her friend. <laughs> I mean, that is being creative and right. setting boundaries. Like this, you you cross the boundary, you you know, there's a consequence here, and even though you think you can skirt that consequence. I will make another one. Mm-hmm. Like you you are not going to drive one way or the other. <laughs> but it's are you going to be creative? And that's why it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It would have been easy to give up. Yes. And that's what the teen or or whoever in these situations they're relying on you to give up. And so they will keep pushing and pushing until they know you will give up. But in that situation mom didn't give up. I think and I think the thing for me too like in the parenting thing and is recognizing when the when the consequences aren't enforced, and then the next time they are enforced, the toll that that takes on the relational trust level that's there, right? Like if if it's like my daughter Piper, I'm like Piper, we're not going to do this. If you do this again, here's what's going to happen. If you do this again, here's what's going to happen. And I continually make those threats over and over again, and then say finally I decide like I'm going to get off the couch and I'm going to actually go into the exhausting thing of. Like, it's like, okay, and, and there's this temptation. Like, I, I want to feel like, well, now I'm finally a parent. But then you look at your kid when that moment that you finally have enforced that consequence that you've threatened for so long. And there's almost like, to use bank terminology, it's like there's a withdrawal from that relationship because they, you've ex- you've pushed the fence farther away every time you've said, this is going to happen if you do this and then not enforced it. And so they've learned the fence gets farther and farther away. Well, now you've snapped the fence back, right? And I, there's some good in that. Like, there's some helpfulness in that in trying to reestablish boundaries. But you have to recognize if consequences aren't enforced, that also takes a relational toll when we finally decide as parents, like, this is the moment I'm going to enforce it. That it's like, now there's confusion, there's a lack of understanding, and it's almost back to the drawing board of, okay, what are the expectations? What are the boundaries? Where are they at? And so recognizing hey, yeah, you cannot enforce it if you want to, but you're, in fact, making it worse in the long run. Either you don't enforce it and so they end up harmed or hurt because they're kids and they don't understand that ultimately boundaries are to protect you, or you ultimately decide to enforce it and there could be some benefit that comes out in the long run, but the immediate consequence of that is that it takes a toll on the relational trust that takes such a long time to build, whether it be a parental relationship or a relationship with friends or any other family member for that matter. Well, boundaries are love. That's yeah. the, that's how we show love, even though we feel like maybe we're being selfish or or it's easier. But 
but that's how we show love. They 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 might not want the consequence, but the the kid is going to know my my parent cares about me because they they care about what I do. The friend when when you set that boundary and it's like I, I want to value our friendship, so I'm not going to allow this to continue to happen. That shows love. Mm. So any um tools we can put in our toolbox for setting boundaries for ourselves. Most of our conversation is kind of resolved, revolved around setting boundaries for other people and how they might interact with us, whether it be our children or someone else that we might be going through codependency with. What about a boundary for ourselves? Like for self-care? Like I think so, yeah. Be- because all boundaries we set in place for us, but they... True, yeah. I get that. They obviously affect everybody else too that we're putting them in place for. I think you have to know yourself. Yeah, I think I think you were talking about tools in the toolbox. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure we'll link the book um, in the show notes. But uh, I think, and this is just this is what I do for a living. So I eat, breathe, and and drink this all the time. Is you've got to be connected to a community, right? Relationships are messy and they're hard, but they're absolutely worth it and they're joy producing and they're all of those things. So whether it be a community of other parents, a church small group community, a community of how, however you want to structure that community in whatever stage and phase of life you're in and wherever you're connected to, I would just tell you to be wise, right? Like if if I wouldn't pick the community where you see that your friend's exhausted because he says yes to everything and be like, hey, dude, do you be the one that tells me when I'm giving in too much? Like I think Use some wisdom in how you and you go about doing that, but having people who are there to go, hey man, I see this thing, and lovingly, I I, I want to kind of point this might be a blind spot in your life out to you. Uh, I think surrounding yourself with people like that, I think connecting. I mean, it's we're not like a secret that we're believers here. Like I think specifically connecting with people because I think the Bible does a great deal, has a great deal to say about how to protect relationships and ensure that they're kept in healthy places. So surround yourself, for me, with people who believe and understand the Bible and who can pour into it, and put in your community people who are at stages more advanced than you are. So if you're talking about parenting, this is kind of one of the things we're learning now. Like, it's really good, and it's really encouraging to surround yourself with people that are all in the exact same stage of parenting that you're in. But that gets really messy when all of you are dealing with the exact same issues, and nobody really, truly, despite the fact that we want to believe that we do, Parenting is just a giant science experiment, and we might have a hypothesis, but it could go well, it could go bad. And I think having people who have maybe tested that and who have walked through that and who are in a different stage of parenting, I know Misty and I are are grateful for my parents and and the relationships that we have with some other people who are further along, who aren't family, who are willing to go, hey, what what was this like when you were at this stage? And and to listen to that wisdom and, and seek that counsel is helpful. Well, I think we've got a lot of resources discussed, and I'll be sure to link those in the show notes. Um, Definitely the Boundaries book, Getting Connected in a Community. Um, And if you're struggling with whether it's a toxic family member or a situation where you don't know where to put the boundaries, um, we we also have resources for that with our care and counseling department. So thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again in two weeks. 